Coach Jakus, welcome to the Matt Mosley Show with Stephen Simcox. Good to have you, sir. Yeah, thanks, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. And, uh, boy, we, uh, a lot of folks brag on you. I got to see you for the first time uh, or hear from you at one of those, uh, r- you know, kind of, uh, oh, where y'all go around and talk to different alums across the country. Uh, and and you, the assistant coaches got up there. And what a group it is. I mean, Coach, y'all have a uh, – it's it's just a really uh, a fun group of coaches, and uh, I've gotten to know Jerome over the years. I, I would say that it's about the best fit for Baylor's mission and what Baylor's trying to do than anything because, Coach, one of the first things y'all did when you got up on the stage that night was talk about your faith and talk about what that means to you. And, Coach Jacobs, I know uh, for you personally, your testimony and your faith – is uh is line one and i would assume that's part of the reason you wanted to to come back to to baylor for that second run yeah i think um incredibly blessed from top to bottom um everybody that i work with has a heart for their faith and faith in christ uh what coach tang and coach drew have built over the last 18 years and to be in a situation where you get to be part of a top five program for the last i think 25 weeks and have your faith be at the center of it. I, I, I don't know that there's any other school that you can do that at this level besides Baylor. So the fact that the door would be open for me to work in that environment in that way, to have this level of success on the floor, but have more success off the floor because of the way that we're allowed to include our faith, everything that we do, is a real blessing. And it is definitely one of the reasons my wife and I uh, decided to come back. Scott does a great job. John Jacobs, uh, Baylor men's assistant basketball coach. Walk me through. You've kind of got a fascinating story. Before you ended up at Baylor and, and then Gonzaga, you did some international coaching. How did you go from a, uh, an international school that you attended in Chicago to becoming a head coach? And uh, at one point, I think you were the assistant GM or maybe the GM as well for a professional team overseas. What was it that... Uh, drew you overseas and 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 i would i would assume you still have a lot of contacts uh uh john it, it overseas that when you do your recruiting now but what give us a little bit of background on how you ended up uh uh doing some coaching overseas yeah my first job out of college was to be a high school coach and uh, a youth pastor at the same time and then i did that in ohio and Athletes in Action is a missions organization out of Ohio. And uh, a bunch of the guys in the basketball department for AIA uh, went to the same church as my wife and I. And they asked me to coach one of their trips. And I started coaching internationally for them as a volunteer at low college level. Then I went on staff full-time. I started coaching Division One and professional and uh, tours for them. And then eventually my wife and I ended up overseas. And those relationships turned into a head coaching job. And uh, just like Baylor, Athletes in Action provides a chance to combine both your faith and basketball at a high level, and I was able to do that um, that with them. Uh, we have three kids. Our second son, his name is Cal. He was diagnosed with autism. And the transition from coaching professionally overseas to Baylor the first time was really to bring him to Baylor for a couple years and, and help him with his process. And then after those two years, uh, I ended up, taking Zaga for three, and then when Paul Mills went to Oral Roberts, uh, I was able to come back to Baylor full-time, and uh, we're, we're lucky to be here. 
But that stint overseas, not just as a coach, but as a person, I think that time probably defines me, my career in coaching as much as any time that I've had. And uh, it does help us now. And I'm super thankful for it. And just as we recruit internationally, the relationships that I built over there uh, are still in my life, and I'm thankful for them. All right. By the way, I saw the other night a kid y'all recruiting at a Richardson High School who you can't talk about publicly, but I was putting my <laughs> no, scouting. I, can't. <laughs> I, 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 I put my scouting eyes on him, by the way, and I've never seen a kid. Uh, I've never seen a kid walk in a gym and try to dunk that much. It was pretty. It was one of the most <laughs> re- remarkable. He was trying to posterize everybody in the gym, and I, I bet I counted about eleven or twelve and. And uh, talking about Kaysen Wallace, and again, you can't talk about him, but I can. And uh, it is remarkable. Now, you can talk about that class, John, that you had a big hand in bringing in. And we've had the coach from that Sunrise Christian Academy out in Wichita, Kansas. That group is already signed, sealed, and delivered. And, John, y'all staff is known for developing talent, being an incredible developers of talent. Guys will even sit out. But this is a scary thing. Y'all have put together uh, what was at one point called maybe the number one class in the country. I think I've seen it anywhere from one to five. Um, what can you tell us about this group you have coming in in 2021? And even and you you know the young man I'm talking about from Sunrise who uh, uh, mm-hmm. we talked to his head coach is a lockdown defender, long, lean, you know, six seven six. I mean, this is a pretty exciting group of young men you're bringing in. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what they're ranked nationally. I think they're still top five, but in our heart, they're number one. And they're, the reason they're number one is because of the relationships we have with the three of them. And I don't know, just like you said, our staff is built for Baylor, maybe as, as much as any staff you've met. Uh, I think these three are built for Baylor in the same way. And uh, we feel incredibly blessed just because when you combine their God-given ability with their athletic ability, with their openness to faith, and who they are as people, I, I think that they're just a home run for what we're trying to do. And Kendall Brown is the player. He's a top 15 player in the country. He's the one who plays at Sunrise for Coach Luke, and Coach Luke is a wonderful guy. And uh, Kendall will come in and have a chance to make a difference. He's an NBA athlete, uh, for sure, for sure a high-level defender, switch one to five, can guard everybody on the floor, elite in transition, and uh, we believe long-term uh, the sky is the limit for him. The same thing for Langston Love, who plays at Mount Verdon, Florida. And then the same thing for Jeremy Sohan, who's playing overseas in Germany at home. We think they're all top 30 kids and will make a huge difference in their time here. But they're better people than they are players. And because of that, I think that they're going to step right in and, and be able to make a difference, hopefully, uh, early on. What What is it? Sohan's, uh, you just mentioned him, and obviously talking to John Jacobs, Baylor men's assistant coach, having played some overseas, I'm sure that gives you such a wide, I, I would imagine that helps your basketball education when you've uh, had some of that international competition. In particular, what, what does he bring? Is he kind of a, uh, anytime we hear international basketball, we think of like a Brady Heslip uh, who, would, who could dial it up from downtown back in the day. Uh, but Sohan, what, 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 tell us a little bit more about his skill set. Yeah, he's a six eight four man. He was the MVP of the FIBA U16 tournament, so uh, the best player in Europe for the last uh, major tournament he played in. Right now he's 17. He just got called up to play with the Polish 
national team. So he's actually going to skip the U18 level going straight to play with the men. Uh, I think he, just like Kendall and Langston, they fit modern basketball. It's the ability to play positionless basketball. So at 6'8", I think the European style helps him with the dribble and pass portion. And then just as he gets older and matures, the shooting will come along. But he definitely understands spacing, uh, simple concepts that you would get in a European high school environment. Uh, he's, he's mastered. And then just as they played their last big tournament overseas, he was one of the top five players in that tournament. Um, and we think he's projected to be a great player. But the, the basketball IQ that he's gotten from playing in England and Poland and Germany, and then he spent last year uh, playing high school in the States, he just got a real, really strong understanding of how to play basketball both overseas and, and in the States, and we're excited about that IQ. What is it like, uh, John, to, I mean, it's got to be kind of a unique feeling for you to be at Baylor, having already been at Baylor, watch Baylor turn into this monster that it's become, sitting number two behind only one school, the school where you kind of cut your teeth and went after your GA experience at Baylor. Um, Actually, it was more than a GA. You were doing some director of ops stuff for Baylor, I know, and then you went to Gonzaga and had that run with Mark Feud. You, You have a unique... Uh, viewpoint and vantage point for these two programs. What what do they have similar? I mean, I would think the development of players is similar because you're not always trying to get a lot of one and done players at either university. And what what's what are the biggest differences that you've seen from having uh, now worked in both programs? Well, I think the number one similarity is both schools find a head coach that's incredibly loyal and in a college basketball environment where sometimes both players and coaches used to choose to rent their environments until they can get to the next step or transfer or get their next head coaching job. He's got two guys in Martin Scott that have decided to make their universities their home and not just make them their home, but serve them, love them and uh, grow them. And when it's time to move on, they just choose to not do that. And so you have, ex-players, current players, future players. The cool thing about both Baylor and Gonzaga is when you're done or when you get here, if you're recruited here, you know who your head coach is going to be. And I'm not sure that there's 20 guys in the country right now in, in the sense where they're at the level that Mark and Scott both are. As a CEO of running a, you know, a multimillion-dollar college basketball organization, but also a top-five coach in the country, that, and both have neither have chosen to leave. So you're getting this elite program builder to stay put. And when you do that and you combine that with a staff that loves to stay instead of constantly cycling through and players that are happy to be there and don't transfer and choose player development over a quick fix, then you've got a recipe for some success. I mean, player development, both programs are known for that. I don't think that anybody's good at player development if the player leaves. you got to get guys that love the school enough to stay three years, four years, sometimes even five years, and, and choose to redshirt. And so the fact that both staffs have a leader like Mark and Scott and players that choose to stay, it's almost the opposite of the, the way the rest of the country works. And it just it sets up where you can build a program, not a team, but a program. 
And uh, I would say that both Baylor and Gonzaga right now are two of the best programs in the country. And uh, just the combination of wonderful kids and a, and a consistent head coach is pretty special. All right. And talking to John Jacobs, Baylor men's assistant coach. By the way, I should ask, John, I should ask this first. Are you feeling okay? And, I mean, every, y'all have had to uh, push pause. I know this has been a strange time. Just want to make sure, are you personally uh, doing okay And, and uh, during this uh, – during this weird time. Yeah, I'm, I don't have COVID now. I, I feel great. Um, I had been through a COVID experience where I had to take 10 days off and that's not ideal in the middle of the season, but I think the best thing for us to do is follow the protocols, take them seriously when it's time to take them seriously, love our guys, make sure they're taken care of as they go through this difficult season. And they just, make sure the, the strength of our culture and the way we take care of our guys continues as strong when we have to pause as it is when we're playing games. And um, I think that our staff and our leadership has done that as well as anybody in the country. And when you watch our guys play, whether they're coming off a pause or, or they've been practicing every day, I think you see an elite care and effort from them that, um, that's pretty special. It's pretty special what these guys have sacrificed to, to play this year. And uh, we just think that the world of our guys, and we think as we get back into playing here in the next week or so, uh, you're going to see the same response from them. But the number one thing for us is just take care of our guys, and, and I'm doing great right now, so thank you for asking. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. And for people that don't know, now that Coach Jacobs is doing better and feeling okay, he can – uh, of course, guys in contact tracing, since he's had it, he can work those guys out and that kind of thing. So you can try to keep everybody at least in a semblance of uh, getting everything right. And then who knows? It, it'll. Uh, I'm trying to look, Coach, at the silver lining in this. And if, if a lot of guys have had it, maybe uh, it'll allow, as long as they're healthy, everybody to make a, a, a long, great run here at the end of the season. One other last question I had for you. Um, I was thinking about this. So you had an interesting – had you already come over to Baylor when uh, when Baylor played Gonzaga in the second round of the tournament that uh, a, a couple of years ago? You were already on the Baylor staff? Yeah, that, that um, I was here for that tournament you, game. You, you were here. Did you take part in the recruiting of Brandon Clark or uh, Hachimura at, at Gonzaga? Just two guys that are really, really uh, have become, in fact uh, – I, I believe, if, if I have this correct, Brandon Clark was the first Gonzaga product uh, named NBA All-Rookie Team. Yeah, Rui and Brandon were really special kids. Uh, Brandon was recruited after, right after I left because he was a transfer. Uh, I was there when Rui was recruited from Japan. He's a wonderful guy, ended up a lottery pick. Uh, the two last things I did at Gonzaga in the summer – uh, before moving to Baylor's, we had Joel Ayayi and Corey Kispert on campus for visits. So two of their starters right now were two of the last recruits uh, that committed as I was still working there. So they'll be the last two to kind of go through uh, since my time, since I've left there. They're both wonderful players. Rui's a wonderful player. I mean, you look at what they've done at Gonzaga and, and what they continue to do, not just in their recruiting, but in their player development. Um all those kids come in pretty special, but they leave uh, both developed and even more special as players and, and people. So, uh, yeah, Rui was pretty great. It was hard to play against so many guys. Josh Perkins was on that team. There's a whole handful of guys that was on that team that I worked with while I was at Gonzaga that was not 
my favorite day. I would prefer to not play them if I didn't have to, especially the ones that I was there with. Um, but yeah, both Rui and Brandon were pretty special that day. Yeah, and uh, we all dream of Baylor and Gonzaga ending up in the uh, national title game. I know you can't let yourself uh, go that far forward. That's for fans and people on the radio to do. But you came within an hour of playing them earlier this season. But for whatever reason, it was not to happen. But, uh, well, we uh, it's fun talking to you, John. I want to do this again. There's so much stuff to, to talk about. By the way, it made me think about it, you talking about uh, Hachimura, uh, Hachimura being from uh, Japan. How many... How many languages do you know parts of from all your international travels? Oh, I, I would say that I tried to learn two languages, Bulgarian and Macedonian. I did it very poorly. Uh, at one point, my <laughs> wife and I had, I had um, a teacher that would come in in Macedonian and try to teach us that language. But the issue is that four hours a day, because you practice twice a day for two hours uh, overseas, it's a pretty normal day. Um, for four hours, I coached in English, and then we spoke English in the home. So I probably never had any real chance to actually learn a language, because if you're not sold out to it, it's really hard to develop. But I've got some broken versions of some language overseas, but I wouldn't say I'm near fluent in any of them, especially right now. But but we definitely gave it a shot. If I were you, I would claim to know eight languages, okay? That way, I think, <laughs> you think I, that's I, a cool really... story, huh? Yeah, I think you should go with that. And did you ever okay. run across Luca or anybody that's like a star in the NBA now? Now he would have been really young for you to have run across him. I imagine he would have been eleven or twelve years old. Is there anybody like that that you ran across that's like a star in the NBA now? No, that's a he was a young guy. I mean, I didn't coach at the Euroleague level, so most of the guys that end up in the NBA make their stops in the Euroleague before they end up yeah um, end up here. So. I would say I was two steps below that and very young. I was in my early 30s and hoping to climb my ladder up the European coaching chain. Um, but like I said, before we got those chances, yeah. uh, my son was diagnosed with autism. We ended up at Baylor. Uh, but God's got a plan, and this is where we're meant to be. And, uh, you know, we really believe in what's going on here, and we're thankful to be here. All right, and uh, it's because of people like John Jakus that when Baylor goes over to uh, Italy and takes those great trips, uh, John can help uh, interpret and help through all those things, at least get a, get a few more words than the rest of us. John, appreciate you doing this, and uh, glad you're healthy and cannot wait to see you guys. I guess we're targeting maybe the 20th. We'll just keep our fingers crossed that that happens and uh, get, this, uh, get this amazing season back on the tracks. Yeah, we appreciate you, too. Thank you for all you do for us, and uh, it's great to talk to you.